Hey. How are you? Good. Good. This is Thinking Like a Lawyer, and we just started it, and I, I, you know, you've been interrupting my attempt to have a normal introduction. kind of my thing. Yeah, so I thought I would try and trick you by, like, not doing, like, I I was trying to throw you off, but you seem to have rolled with it. Yeah, I'm good like that. Mm. Mm. Yes, so this is Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Above the Laws, Joe Patrice. That's Catherine Rubino. And we are here for yet another week of talking about law stories and catching you up on the short 30-minute... It's been a week. 30-minute tour of a week's worth of legal news. Sure. The highlights, the lowlights, everything in between. Yeah. Well, one thing that we aren't going to talk too much about, but I figure I should just at least preview that it happened uh, last week was ABA Tech Show. So mm. it was uh, uh, among the the legal tech conferences that exist. It's the one that's more focused on kind of small law firm. Uh, not that that's officially what it is, but it seems to have developed kind of a reputation reputation as these are products that are very valuable for building a small law firm and so it was nice to catch up on that world and hear from some folks obviously nothing but you can't wait till you can actually go to an Tech, not tech yeah. show in quotation marks, but any anything, tech show. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it's reaching a point where it's diminishing returns to do everything virtually. I mean, right. everyone's doing their best, but it just yeah. isn't going to work. Well, but, it's been over a year now. Yeah, but the tech show was the last thing I went to. Aww. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, I think last year it meant that it was about ten days before the New York lockdown. So anyway, but we will have a show soon. The annual ILTACON is going to be in person. So I'll be able to do that. That's Isn't in, that August. in August. Yeah. Yeah. So that's by then, not soon. We haven't even officially hit spring yet. And that's at the end of the summer. I, You're rushing things a lot. I, and I fully expect spring and early summer to be amazing. So I appreciate you not Kind of jumping the gun on the end of summer. I did. I don't know as though I was jumping the gun. I was just saying that you we are soon. soon going. Yes. That's yes. Not soon. I, That's many months from now. We haven't had a thing in a year. I think in four and, and a half for several more months. And in four months, I feel is not a not a. That's a third of the year. I I think you've really you're misunderstanding. Math is, is math hard like, for you? No. I no. Here? I think you need to understand the proportionality of all this when you've been off for a year four months is relatively soon listen pretty soon actually soon not your weird use of soon we will all have access to a vaccine right Mm -hmm. president biden has said every adult will have access to a vaccine by may 1st yeah that is well that's why we're going to have a a show very soon jesus christ (sighs) Seriously, do you not get that? Don't don't rush August. I have many months that I intend on having a lot of fun because we can actually do some stuff outside. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, fair are enough. you going to go in person soon? Yeah, you're gonna go. You're gonna go to Ilta, though. Yes, I, I see no reason not to. I will will be vaccinated by then. I I know when my second vaccination shot will be, and so mm-hmm. I know it'll be well before August. And uh, yeah. And you feel you feel good and confident about traveling again? I do, and it's it's ridiculously cheap right now. <laughs> I, I, seriously, yeah. I, like obviously, it's a sign of some bad things that like things have gone so badly that people are so desperate for yeah. someone to visit. But the hotel, I, I mean, it was like thirty five dollars a night. Jesus, that is cheap. But it, well, well, where is it? I guess that is part of it. Vegas. Oh, okay. Well, okay. yeah. I mean, speaking of people who clearly needed folks to go, right? Yeah. Like that's a that's a yeah. town that runs on tourism. tourism. Sure. And the other thing is that um, lots of 
airlines and hotels are still have very generous cancellation or rescheduling policies. So if you have any sense of when your vaccination will be, strike while the iron is cheap. Yeah, very true, very true. So we have a, a show that we're going to get through and, you know, throughout the show. We are we are doing that as we speak. Oh, how meta. And throughout <laughs> the show, you will hear from our sponsors at various points, Lexicon, Noda, powered by M&T Bank, and LexisNexis Interaction. But first, let's uh, transition and talk about uh, what, what do you want to talk about first? We got a lot of we got a lot of things we can... A lot of things happened this week. So the thing that made me... I'll start with what made me angry, I guess. Okay. Is I that... mean, lots of things made you angry, but... Didn't... I don't yeah, know. Well, I... Fair enough. Go for it. This is, this is the thing that made me the angriest, perhaps, of the week. And it was only kind of an aside to a larger story. So I'm going to take this time to kind of really delve into the reasons why it pissed me off. So I did a story last week about Tom Girardi. Okay. Big time California plaintiff's lawyer became sort of famous because he's a character in Aaron Brockovich, the movie, and oh. in real life, right? So but big plaintiff side lawyer. Mar- also reality show yeah, person, Married right? to yeah. Uh, yeah, a real housewife of Beverly Hills. Ah. Yeah. So, well, has since filed for divorce, and that's kind of getting a little ahead I of mean, the problem. I mean, that's how... That's how these things go. Well, they were married for 21 years. Like, yeah. This is not like some like flash-in-the-pan marriage or something like that. But uh, Tom Girardi's in a lot of trouble. All of his finance have been put under freeze. There's now reports that he is suffering from dementia, potentially uh, Alzheimer's disease. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And it was all kind of this like financial pyramid scheme that's been alleged that he would collect money from various cases, not pay it to the victims, the one that mm-hmm. kind of caused the big issue was the victims of the Boeing, the you know, the plane crash, mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. the victims of the... The Supermax ones. The Supermax, yeah. right. We're supposed to get a big payday. He wasn't paying the people that he was supposed to. And then all of a sudden, all this, you know, kind of the details of years worth of financial questions came to light. And the LA Times did a great investigative journalism kind of piece about the ways in which the California bar had sort of propped up uh, Girardi's financial house of cards throughout the year, that he had had tons of allegations and complaints against him throughout the years, but nothing was ever done. His record was kept pristine, and he had lots of friends within the bar association. Uh, he gave elaborate parties, all this kind of stuff. And it was it was kind of interesting. The crux of that being the, that there's some kind of suspicion that he's avoided discipline for things in the past because he schmoozes Correct. The, the I think, I think okay. the headline or maybe the subhead was that uh, that Girardi had, quote, seduced the bar. Well, I mean, so. that... Yeah, I mean, it was... Look, it was we write fun. headlines. I, I, I get I, it. I appreciated it. I liked being able to quote it. But here's the thing that Maybe really... that's why they're getting a divorce. <laughs> there you go. He's been two-timing with the California bar. <laughs> but the thing that pissed me off about it is one of the cases that Girardi avoided the worst of sort of uh, the repercussions yeah. was this Dole Banana case. Uh, and there was a case in Nicaragua. The victims of some pesticides that had been used had sued Dole in Nicaragua, had a judgment, and Girardi was among the attorneys who tried tried to get it enforced in California. Okay. But in Nicaragua, the wrong defendant was listed. It was like Dole Food Corporation instead of Dole Food uh. Company, I believe was the issue. But somehow, miraculously, when the paperwork was filed in California, the correct company was listed. Mm. And there were two kind of parallel 
court proceedings, one in federal court, one in state court. Uh, And in federal court, he was eventually censured and fined for the way that the names kind of all of a sudden miraculously appeared correct in the filing. And um, the Times cites Alex Kaczynski as this was so shocking and this kind of moral authority on how ridiculous what Girardi was accused of was and how he couldn't believe that the State Bar Association only gave him, only gave Girardi a slap on the wrist. And that's all the article says about Alex Kaczynski. It's weird because it seems like if you bring Alex Kaczynski into a conversation about ethics, you'd have to mention that that he. Resigned in disgrace. Yeah, yeah. That... You, you, you would think, yeah. I mean, listen, Alex, I've written many, many, many articles about Alex Kaczynski. For those who maybe don't remember, he's the uh, former Ninth Circuit judge who resigned in disgrace after numerous allegations of sexual harassment, allegations that he showed clerks porn at the office, asked for their opinion on it, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So he resigned, uh, ending the ethics inquiry into his behavior, because that's how the federal system works. He gets to resign with full benefits, and it means that the investigation is no longer active. So I wrote about that. But the other thing that I've been writing about since he has left the bench... Let me jump in yeah. real quick. That investigation no longer active, that's that's actually an interesting subject on its own. Yes. But just for anybody who doesn't necessarily know, yes. the courts can investigate ethical lapses by their judges, but only if they remain a judge. And if they mm-hmm. resign, it all goes away. Right, which is something that plenty of people have taken advantage of, including Marianne Trump-Barry, who, yes. when allegations about taxes and their family's finances came to light, also resigned. Yep. Go on. Yeah. So he, he had to resign. But since his resignation, there's been an active effort to sort of rehabilitate Kaczynski's reputation. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, big law firms have taken him as an honored guest to functions. He's written, you know, op-eds and other materials without sort of any acknowledgement that he, he brings with him all of his baggage because he does have this sort of resume that suggests that he should be important. And, and I fundamentally have a problem with people who use the Kaczynski name and former job as sort of this like badge of authority when you don't acknowledge that he is an incredibly problematic figure. Uh, It's not okay to use Alex Kaczynski's name in order to prop up the authority of any argument you're making without acknowledging that he is an accused sexual harasser. Yeah. And was for years. The allegations are not just like a single incident. It spans many, many years, and it's incredibly problematic. And rather than deal with it or apologize or anything, he resigned to end with full benefits in order to maintain his position and to block any further information about to what happened to him well, what uh, he did. I mean, Kaczynski was something of a rock star judge. He was a well-known yeah. presence and all that. I, I get that. But there are, there are a lot mm-hmm. of retired federal judges available to talk to if you're look if you're the los angeles times and need somebody to give a a quote on a story or opine on something there are other people you can call Uh, i mean just 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 out there throwing that out it's also just not okay to use his name without saying what happened 
me, you know, you, it's not okay to just say it. And people who are not sort of are the court followers, listen, the above the law audience, I assume most of the folks who listen to this particular podcast are either lawyers or legal followers in some way, people who care about the sort of internal workings of the legal profession. So yeah, we know who Alex Kaczynski is. You can't tell me that name without me knowing exactly who mm-hmm. that man is. Right. Right. But that is not the average reader of the LA Times. And I think it's frankly irresponsible. Mm-hmm. To just kind of be like, oh, yeah, this guy is the moral authority that's saying, can you be-? and And also just kind of the, the uh, irony of using a disgraced judge to yeah. say, look at all the, the moral failings of this particular incident, whether or not, you know, he's right about there should have been some further repercussions for Girardi in the case that he's particularly talking about. Right, right, right. Sure. Well, whatever. But you can't use... Kaczynski as a moral authority without recognizing that he had faced plenty of questions about his own ethics and rather than deal with them has decided to resign and and ever since then has been in an active campaign to get himself back into the good graces of sort of the cultural zeitgeist of sort of legal authority and you are you are allowing him to do this. You are perpetuating this kind of rehabilitation in a way that I think is fundamentally problematic. Yeah. No, I mean, I, mean, I, I certainly hear that. I get I, really mad about yeah, this. Yeah, no, I hear it. I hear that. Uh, I think I think everybody just heard that. But no, it's it's true. Like, Don't. I'm completely no, no, like, justified. That, that, that wasn't a bad thing. Like, everyone just heard that rant. That's all I'm saying. But no, As absolutely. you roll your eyes at me. <laughs> I, I did not roll your... See, this is the problem. There's no mm. video here, and so you can make these accusations. You gave against me a me. look. Stop. I I Stop. did. Do not gaslight me. You can't. I'm literally talking about sexual harassment. Do not gaslight me. It's not I a didn't. good look. I did. It's not a good look. See now, this is this is. <laughs> See, I normally would believe this sort of thing, but like I mean, in fairness, it's also true that you normally roll your eyes that mean regardless of what I I'm talking don't. about. I don't. I <laughs> don't. That's ridiculous. Anyway, so yeah. No so, good transition there. Sorry. Well, so that was about legal ethics. So yes. one of the most important ethical obligations you have is to maintain trust accounts for your clients. It was that was very much part of the Girardi story, exactly. for sure. For sure. So if you're having problems with that, if you went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant, take advantage of NOTA, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit trustnota.com slash legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. Okay. So yeah. after the... So, so wholly unnecessary attacks I just I, took. Well, listen, it wasn't unnecessary, nor was it an attack. Well, let's talk about attacks over this. I mean, we we record this with the assistance of Zoom. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what etiquette should be like on Zoom, because I sure, think, sure. you know, and that's definitely something- don't like accuse people of rolling their <laughs> eyes at you, like that sort of thing. That, well, what else? Sure. Okay. So- I mean, that's something I think that you've talked about. You have a lot of these kind of legal tech circles, um, and I'm sure folks in those circles talk a lot about Zoom. Yeah. In fact, if you are a Clubhouse person, you should check out the Clubhouse conversation that we have on Wednesdays. And uh, last week, we talked about netiquette. I actually, I, I, this is terrible. I forget what we titled our Clubhouse group. 
We, we, well, because it was it was something of an impromptu thing. You and then are once, a, you're a hell of a representative of the legal technology community. You can't you can't remember you couldn't remember for y- months. You could not remember the name of the roundtable podcast you do. Yeah. Now you can't remember the name of the clubhouse group you do. You, you're you're knocking well, it out of the park. The point is that we didn't really have a name for it at first. It was kind so, of okay. an impromptu thing. Num- number one on the Zoom etiquette tip is don't use filters. Uh-huh. Right. I think that's fair. Right. Don't use filters. Uh, and I guess kind of the sub part of that has to be check your Zoom settings before you log into the court to make sure that you're not, don't have any filters currently on, right? You're not a cat. Don't Don't make it look like you are. I think that... Number two, maybe this is more for other participants, you know, not necessarily the lawyers who hopefully have this down. But if you're appearing in court, make sure you're doing it from an appropriate location, right? If you're a doctor, don't take the call from an operating room, actual case, something that happens. Uh, If you're being accused of assault, don't take the call from your victim's house when there's a no no contact order. (laughs) Yeah, there was was a case that I wrote about last week where um, the the victim was kind of like looking off screen and being very nervous and very apprehensive. And the uh, assistant prosecutor in the case was like, I think something's wrong, Your Honor. I need to investigate. Sent a police officer to the house. Turned out that they also asked the defendant, where are you taking this call from? And he's like, oh, a friend's house or something and not the location where he actually was. And they sent cops to the victim's home, found the defendant there, arrested him, revoked bail, whole nine. Like it, it was it was a terrible. And then that was followed up by the same judge, Judge Jeffrey Middleton in Michigan, and the same assistant prosecutor, Deborah Davis, also had another case that has gone viral. I mean, you really have to appreciate uh, their hit rate there. <laughs> but uh, they had another case where somebody had a suspended license and was pleading guilty to having a suspended license and driving with no insurance and took the court appearance from his car, from a car, the driver's seat of a car. Mm-hmm. And Judge Middleton was like, I feel you're, you're not taking this particularly seriously. You're pleading to driving with a suspended license, and here you are taking it from the driver's seat of a car. The defendant had an excuse, said that it was his boss's car, and his boss had driven him, and he was just trying to get some privacy to take the call. But regardless, it did not. It was not a good look. It yeah. was not a good look. Good week for that judge. Yeah. You know, well, I, think the, I think the case has actually happened over the course of the month, but yes. Yeah, it fair was, enough. Well, I mean, hey. Going viral a couple of times. That's it's, exciting. It's a thing. So what, what other kind of tips do you have? So, so, so what we talked about a lot was, uh, like you said, just making sure that you have, uh, if you're appearing, uh, like defendants, whatever, like they have, and what is it, they can do other things. But if you're an attorney and you're doing something over Zoom, you've got to, you've got to understand that the, it's like that Room Raider account yeah, that everyone say. talks about. Like you have to actually present a professional appearance Make sure you're in a location that looks good. Be dressed up. Do all what at you, least from the waist up. Yeah, you know, yeah. I I feel like maybe you should go the whole nine yards and do the whole thing. Uh, the point is, you should do what you need to do to appear professional. That's one. Understand the filters, obviously, <laughs> uh, but also understand mute buttons. I mean, we talked about the in the past the guy who made a comment about his dog, although it certainly seemed like it was profanity. <laughs> um, well, all of these sorts of issues. Know how to shut off your camera. Shut off your camera. I'll tell you, the best tip I ever got on the mute front is Nikki Black, who writes for us, taught me. 
that with Zoom, rather, if I'm in a conversation where it could embarrassing things could happen, I actually am always muted. Mm-hmm. And you can use the, if you saw Zoom as the window is open, if you hit the space bar, it unmutes you. And then oh. you can talk and let go. So you can treat it like a walkie-talkie. That way there's no risk that anything is being said unless you are affirmatively pushing down the button to say something. Gotcha. That's uh, interesting. It's a super useful tool. I've never really had a issue where it mm-hmm. would have been bad, but I could totally see how if you were. Yeah. And and also make sure that your system is set up for it. It doesn't mm-hmm. cost a ton of money to get, you know, 20 to $30 to get a decent microphone. Make sure you have headphones so you're not hearing kind of ambient noises as part of the recording. And, you know, make sure folks can hear you. There's nothing worse than being in any sort of a virtual proceeding and not, and like, I, I, I don't know. What did they just say? Yeah. No, yeah, no, that that's very true. The technology is important because, uh, look, mm-hmm. this is going to continue, even though we're right. almost out of the pandemic. One might also be willing to say soon. Uh, <laughs> but you but yes, we have now have such facility with this technology that it's going to continue to matter. And there are lots of benefits. Yeah, that exactly. Courts in particular have seen as a result of virtual hearings. I think you had written mm-hmm. about that. Yep. We, we've seen that the that jury pools for online trials, the jury pools are actually more young and diverse than they generally are. That's amazing. Uh, which is important and yeah. good. But also, I think one of the biggest issues, and this was brought up on Legal Tech Trending News, the uh, Clubhouse conversation. Oh, that was, that was yeah, subtle. Yeah, Good yeah. job. Two points. Um, one of the points is, like, I, I don't know how much you did in state court. I did very little, but the little, little. that I did was a nightmare. The state court <laughs> is filled with, because the feds, you know, you have appointments, and there are hearings that have times. Mm-hmm. State is just the Wild West where there's a big room, and they just, like, have hundreds of lawyers there, and they call up cases willy-nilly as they happen. It means you burn hours of your day waiting for somebody to just say your name. Mm -hmm. Zoom and these kind of remote things, for those cattle call hearings that are usually not particularly substantive, those can add a great deal to the efficiency of attorneys if we moved that sort of thing to the Zoom world. So this could continue because there's reasons why it should. So, yeah. And those cattle call conferences are just kind of an administrative nightmare, which makes me wonder... If you were interested in streamlining kind of your administrative tasks or something like that, and that's why we're going to hear from our friends from Lexicon. Here's a message just for the attorneys out there. So you passed the bar, joined a firm, or even built your own. Now are you finding out that you're doing more administration than actual law practice? Lexicon can help. Lexicon is a legal services and technology provider with over a decade of experience streamlining administrative tasks like timekeeping, HR, billing, client intake, and more. So you can focus on maximizing billable hours and increasing client satisfaction. Call 855-4-LEXICON or visit lexiconservices.com go to learn more. That was a good transition. Yeah, I know. I appreciate that. I am professional. So (laughs) finishing up, uh, another story that you had of the week, Mm -hmm. there was an issue at Georgetown. There sure was. Two professors were caught on Zoom. They co-taught a negotiations class, uh, and Professor uh, Sandra Sellers had choice words about the folks that were sort of, she considered in the bottom of her class, and she identified them by their race and uh, said some very problematic stuff about the black students who were in her class. Yeah. So at first... I will say, when I first saw the quote, uh, absent Mm -hmm. seeing the video, but just like a transcribed version of the quote, my initial takeaway was, as you said, talking about black students, uh, was that it was something of a 
a hard B, uh, as uh, yeah, as and, I would and say. She for, referred to him as the blacks, so. right? Which Yikes. white people Yikes. should white people should only utilize that term if it's immediately followed by discussing New Zealand rugby scores. <laughs> uh, so that was a sign that something was wrong. However, the quote barring that seemed in just pure text to not mm-hmm. be all that terrible. It seemed as though the professor was saying, I'm always concerned that in this class, the it seems like there's a disparity in grades that are visible on race, and I'm concerned about that, which is the sort of yeah. thing that there is a value to that. And the other professor involved in the conversation, because it's a co-taught class, mm-hmm. makes a comment then about like, yeah, it makes you wonder if maybe there's an inherent bias problem that we've got mm-hmm. going on and, here, and- which... That those are conversations right. that should happen. Yeah, so I was like, to, to be clear, unfortunate th- phrasing, but maybe this is to be clear. The the co professor is only uh, sort of in hot water for not calling out the problematic things that Professor Sellers said. That noting that there's potentially unconscious bias that informs grading is obviously a valid conversation mm-hmm. and concern to have. Couple of things though. Uh, right. First of all, first this, of this all, story took a turn. <laughs> it takes a turn. First of all, it is a negotiations class where they're graded on their sort of in-class performance. So it's not a blind grading situation, mm-hmm. right? So it's very likely, if if not certainly possible, probably likely, that unconscious bias or affirmative bias are playing a role in, in the grading. Also, the way that, that sellers kind of uh, introduced the issue was by saying that, you know, she could barely understand this student and it makes you, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a very uh, deeply uncomfortable thing to actually watch uh, her talk about. And there was also this sort of recognition that like, I mean, I think she said, uh, I hate to say it, but then she completely goes on to say the things she would hate. And I think that the real problem is these are the conversations that happen behind closed doors. She did not know. So it was like after a Zoom class and the Zoom kept on recording and eventually was posted on the class's website so people would have access to the class recording. But it actually appended sort of all this conversation that happened after the fact. So Sellers thought she had this kind of sympathetic audience of one. And these are the kind of behind the scenes conversations. Conversations that happen. And the other kind of part of it is um, she's an adjunct professor. They teach kind of one class uh, a year. They just teach this class. And shortly after uh, this whole thing went viral, uh, Georgetown announced that they asked for the resignation of Mm -hmm. uh, Sellers. She had actually, according to the statement by the dean of Georgetown, they said that uh, she had kind of come into the conversation saying that she knew she needed to resign. So they they cut off the relationship with Sandra Sellers. And the other part of it was that uh, they're going to try to bring in someone else to make sure that the folks in that class are graded appropriately, that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, all this stuff is yeah. That it's on the up and up that folks who took the class are not sort of being penalized uh, either because of the change in professorship or because of these sort of right. conscious or unconscious biases that are very much on display in the this kind of secret recording. Not secret because they knew that there was a recording. They just thought they had stopped it. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a whole thing. Yeah. No, it, and it's a continuing issue at law schools. Obviously, we've mm-hmm. had professors who do aggressively bad things, but they always try to get away with it by playing the academic freedom card. Like, mm-hmm. So there's a kind of a distinct difference. You've got the like the Richard Sanders and stuff like that from um, Richard Sander, and like you have the Richard Sanders is mm-hmm. not like, yeah, yeah, of folks that like who their whole scholarship is around peddling kind of half-baked racist theories. Mm-hmm. And then right, you Amy have Wax. like an Amy Wax who... Amy, see, like, I feel like Sander is the 
is the one who's the in the safest position. I mean, it's still reprehensible, but like at least that is an attempt at scholarship. Now, Amy Wax pushes the line, says all this racist stuff, but mm-hmm. but writes it in op eds and so on. But so it's like she claims that's her academic freedom, but she's not really doing any scholarship. She's just like mouthing off, but she like can get around it. This is an instance where there was just no no attempt at a justification. This is about their academic work. The right. problem is, I believe in academic freedom and, and the importance of it and so on and so forth. But the problem is, it is a tool that is easily hacked and mm-hmm. easily exploited. And it somewhat bothers me that, you know, as important as this is, like, it's it's always the adjunct at the bottom of the pool who's not doing anything scholarly, who we can actually hold accountable for their actions. And all of these other people with tenure up the chain get to skip out on it because we have a system that in the interest of protecting good work, we created a protection that they exploit. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think fundamentally academic freedom is probably more valuable for people who are actually doing important work and work that kind of pushes the status quo and, and questions uh, authority and the structures of power. And I think for those folks, tenure is an incredibly powerful and important tool. And I don't want to really do anything to jeopardize that because I do think that work is important, but it is also true. You're a hundred percent right that, people have sort of used it to get this kind of purient thrill of being able to say, you know, racial slurs in yeah. class because, well, it's a quote from this case. Right. Never mind that in, in some cases, you know, I have a whole cottage industry writing about law school professors that use racial slurs in yeah. class. Sometimes when they're asked specifically by Don't students, do this, please, please do not use the racial slur right yeah. now, then go on and use the racial slur on purpose because they get this sort of weird thrill from being able to say things they're not supposed to because yeah. they have this cloak of academic freedom. So I think you're right that it's hackable, but I'm also very hesitant to make any sort of attacks for uh, getting rid of academic right. freedom because right. I do think that it protects very important work. But I think that we should be able to note the difference, understand the difference, and call it out when we see it. And I think that you're right that we do have to hold more people accountable, but I don't think that means that in this current Georgetown case that the the penalties were somehow inappropriate. Oh, no, no, yeah. not, yeah, absolutely yeah. not. Uh, and I don't, I don't think you're saying yeah, no, that. It, it I don't was think the, you're saying that. Yeah, no, obviously. I, I was I was saying it's frustrating yes. that it's a, that mm-hmm. you can only deal with it when it's in these it's like, oh, well, low-grade she, She's adjunct. an adjunct, so of course they could get rid of her. I don't, well, yeah. But I mean, also, of course, because of the nature of that contract versus the nature also, yeah. of the contract with a tenured professor. Yeah. So, so uh, yes, there are a lot of issues there, but um, I was glad to at least see that there was some relatively quick response. Yeah. Um, Balsa at Georgetown has some other demands that they're making, and those are still being talked about, but hopefully yeah. it's not the last uh, change that they're going to see at that law school. Yeah, agreed. It's um, not providing a very good transition. But we, <laughs> we, we talked about law schools. We never really got to talk about law firms this week. And, you know, how have law firms weathered previous economic downturns and come out stronger on the other side? LexisNexis Interaction has released an in-depth global research report confronting the 2020 downturn, lessons learned during previous economic crises. Download your free copy at interaction.com slash like a lawyer to see tips, strategies, plans, and statistics from leaders who have been through this before and how they've reached success again. All right. Well, so that is it for us this week mm-hmm. uh, as we walk into a new week of I assume, unmitigated horrors in the legal world. (laughs) We'll be back to chat with you about that then. You should be subscribed to the show, give it reviews, write something in the comments. It all like shows engagement, which helps uh, the 
various podcast services recognize that we are out there as a legal podcast. You should be listening to The Jabot, which is Catherine's other show. You can check out on Clubhouse, the Legal Tech Trending News Group on Wednesdays, and you can check out uh, Legal Tech Week, the Journalists' Roundtable on well, it's live on Fridays, and then they release it after. But you can be, you can come live. Hey, you should be checking out the other offerings of Legal Tech. Ah, legal Talk blah. Network. Le- See, like, there's too many LTs, and, and yeah, yeah uh, the Legal Talk all, Network. Hard. Uh, you should be reading above the law as always. You should be following us. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, the numeral one, and. With all that, I guess we'll close out this show and we'll be, as I said, back next week again, virtually and whatever. And at some point in the future, we'll be, you know, in cities and maybe we'll actually see some of you listeners out there in the real world, you know, soon. Soon. Peace. Bye. Oh, God.